Welcome back, everyone, to R2Cast number 107. Uh, yeah, this is going to be the second or third episode of the All In podcast. I don't really know if we class hours as, as part of it. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you decide that one. Okay, first. no, because I was a guest and no one wants to hear about me. Uh, so um, on the 103rd episode, uh, we had Jack Iredale coming on talking about his career in professional football, uh, sort of lined with not tragedy, but certainly difficulty, you know, uh, fighting diabetes, three ACL tears, trying to make it over here when he was in Australia um, and has now certainly made it. And by the time this episode's going out, we'll know if he's going to be playing in the championship next year, which is quite exciting. Um, Another really good episode coming up today. We just said off camera that I have been to all of two countries, Iceland and Holland, which is very exciting for me. Um, but between the two guests we have today, uh, we have one who's been to 59 and one who has been to 29. So quite a lot of countries between them. And that is Dylan, Dylan and Celtia. So if you guys want to say hello. All right, guys. Happy to be here. Hi. Very much looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. And you've just met Dylan Celtia there. Uh, uh, I, I'm just gonna to have to mention the mustache. Like, yeah, just go for it. Actually, just go straight to YouTube. I I wouldn't even like it explains everything. It's unbelievable. So mustache bad. actually has a good good story. It started as a bit of a, a joke. We we're in India where this mustache is like some people have it, especially in one area. I went to get the shave and some yeah street side barber. You paid a guy probably what did I pay him probably a euro and he shaved just just a good shave and. Not most hygienic conditions, but you do it for the fun. And I ended up with this one, and I, I liked it. So I decided to stick with Celtia. Likes the mustache, but she isn't a big fan of this part. I did this sometimes, but she doesn't like that. So look, looking to get rid of the bottom part, Celtia, is that the plan? <laughs> you want me to get rid of this part? Yeah, yeah. I didn't expect that. He said yesterday he was going to shave, and suddenly he agreed with that. What <laughs> 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 up with it? <laughs> I've, uh, I've, I've had a wee play, like, I mean, for those of you listening on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, you're going to have no idea what's happening here, but I can sort of get a wee bit of a moustache on the go, but I have to, have to maybe give it a wee play with some wax and try to get it sort of built up like yours. But With a beard like that, you could definitely get a top-class moustache one. That's, that's, <laughs> you can do it. Romance. <laughs> <laughs> um, to start off uh, each All In podcast, we kind of have a new thing that started up where the last guest asks um, the next guest a question. And I had asked the next guest, which was Jack, if he had any random talent, to which I was kind of sad that he told us he did, but he wasn't going to show us it. And that talent was he can flap his ears. Now, Jack is a relation of mine, and I'm sure he won't be too offended. He might be a little, but we're going for it anyway. He has pretty notable ears. We're looking, <laughs> I mean, we're talking like Dumbo here. Like, he could do some flying away, you know? So uh, I was kind of gutted he didn't do that. But yeah. he has come up with a banging question for you guys. So quick as well. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't like believe that. it. He had it right there. I've no idea how. It's amazing. Yeah, it's it was impressive. It really was. It really was. Um, you guys have uh, got quite an interesting life so far. You're both obviously quite young as well, and I'm sure it'll continue to get more interesting as you go. And it probably works perfect for you guys because the question was, and there's going to be two two separate answers here. If there was a a biopic made about your life, who would play your character? So basically, if there was a film about you, yeah. Who would that's that's a tough one. What do you think? Oh yeah. All right, you. About both of you, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah sure. Such a tough one. 
<laughs> has to be Jimmy Carey for you. <laughs> <laughs> that could be okay, actually. I wouldn't mind that. The laugh there's worse out there. Yeah. There's worse. There's definitely worse. The laugh would be something. <laughs> Jimmy Carey. I'm just trying to think of someone with that same kind of moustache, to be honest. But I just... Yeah, I can. I can. Yeah. I think Jim Carrey can do the good moustache as well, but I think... It's... I think why Celia chooses that is I think gen- like generally I do give kind of the vibes of being a bit of a clown, which I like. I think it's good to kind of give off those vibes of just like being a bit of an yeah, a bit of an Egypt going around. So I think it's Jim Carrey could be fitting for that. So is this is this dumb and dumber Jim Carrey and uh, in, in that role, or is this <laughs> close, close to it at, at times anyway? After a few drinks, yeah. <laughs> but you know, yours would be I have no idea. Have you thought, Celtia, have you got an idea who would play you? Um, I don't know. It has to be. So I'm going with the Spanish accent. <laughs> like a Melissa Fumero? Like, uh, I don't know if you've seen Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but like Amy in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Nah. I, I saw Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but I don't know. Nah. The Amy in it, so like Jake's partner. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I can see it, but I don't want it. Like, <laughs> like, but I don't want it because these kind of the nerdy vibes, like really straight and organized. Okay. No, but in fairness, Amy's nerdy, but I'm sure Melissa Fumero isn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think who. Yeah, could... she could yeah, be he... definitely. That'd be a good one. That'd be a good one. Who plays the life of Wallace Curry? Oh God. Eh. Uh... I'm trying to think of someone that's someone's gonna go out and see like Robbie Coltrane as Hagrid, like <laughs> like uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, You're gonna say like Channing Tatum. No, I'm, 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 I'm just looking at <laughs> the reason I say Channing Tatum is Jack said Channing Tatum. Yeah, and, and who's Jack? Uh, Ryan Reynolds yeah. and Channing Tatum. I'm like, that's, shut up, mate. Like, you just think yeah. you're I was thinking of the same pick, some like handsome build out guy. <laughs> like sure. Yeah, like sure, they'll just put like the revenant version of Leonardo DiCaprio for me. Like that'll do fine. <laughs> like uh, yeah, yeah. It's like a good Michael B. Jordan or something. Yeah. <laughs> sure, Titanic version or something. You know, yeah. I'm getting carried away in this. I'm carried yeah, away. But, um, so that gives you a bit of a clue what we're going to ask you to ask at the end. Uh, basically the same thing. But uh, if you guys both give us a bit of just say who you are, like you know, as 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 youngsters. What was the plan when you were growing up? What what was what was sort of the the idea back then? Start. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I, I I'll go first from my side, and that's I'll do it afterwards. So yeah, if people who are listening can't tell, I'm Irish. I grew up in a small town called Wexford in the southeast of Ireland, about twenty thousand people. And for as long as I can remember, I always had the idea that I wouldn't live there. And I remember my, you know, my mom still says that she remembers when I was very young, I used to always ask her, why is it that she chose to live in Wexford? And she'd say, well, this is where we were born. And this is, yeah, everybody kind of stayed where they, where they live. And that's generally how people live. But I always just thought I wanted to get out as soon as possible. And that the dream was never so set that like, I would like to live the lifestyle where I move from country to country and kind of travel as a, as a lifestyle. But I just always knew I wanted to leave. Then I, I left at the first 
possible reasonable opportunity, which was after high school. I went to Scotland. That's where I, I met Wallace. I spent a few years there studying. And then I kind of realized that Scotland, although, I mean, it was a big move. I was 17, like back then, I was... It's like a chipmunk going around. Like I was just, as any 17-year-old is, I didn't have much going on in my head. And I was just, yeah, kind of just getting by pretty much. Then, um, yeah, Scotland, although it was was a fun experience and I learned a lot, it wasn't that exciting for me. So I went to study in Finland. And, yeah, then I kind of studied and lived and studied in many other countries as the years went went by and traveled traveled a lot. And now it's got to the stage that I'm living kind of the, the life that I could only ever dream of where I work online, make as much money, make enough money to be able to yeah, pretty much go wherever I want, when I want to go there and spend as much time in these countries. And it's just the, the dream that it's when, because what happened was I, before I started to properly be able to move around as much as I wanted, I lived in Germany for two years and I, I ran some kind of small e-commerce business, which wasn't successful pretty much ran it into the ground, which was one of the best things that ever happened because that forced me to, to leave Germany. And I um, yeah, then started to have like lots of different online jobs. And yeah, now I'm in the situation where I just, I bounce around and some days I just, I still pinch myself. So like, is this actual reality that I can just, yeah, go where I want when I want? And I really genuinely love it. See the, the, the business you mentioned in Germany, if- yeah memory serves me right was it sort of like a graze box type thing um something like that it was like monthly it was like a subscription kind of thing but yeah. not exactly a subscription but it was uh generally what it was is we would send a mystery box to our customers and the mystery box had 10 snacks 10 of the most popular snacks from a mystery country so for example you order a box you open it up and it's 10 random snacks from brazil and the next one you get it can be 10 random snacks from yeah greece for example yeah, it was a fun idea. I think I had potential, but yeah, many different things kind of held it back. And yeah, learned learned a lot, but ha- much happier in this lifestyle than kind of the failing entrepreneur startup type type lifestyle. And what was what was like uh, life like for you, Celtia, when you were growing up? So I come from Galicia and from a little little town, even smaller. I think it is like thirteen thousand, and. Yeah, uh, I I always had the traveling bag. I I went I when I was twelve. I asked my parents to go to London for the whole summer with a part of my family that I have never met. So I just went on adventure. Um, so then I started college. I went on Erasmus and those things. Finished college, and I. Uh, I worked two years in Germany teaching Spanish and I met Dylan and then I went back to Spain to start my master's first year. Then second year I went back to Germany and yeah, then I was writing my thesis and uh, I guess Dylan talked to me (laughs) and trapped me and said like, I can write my thesis wherever. So we just started traveling. You know, 12 and thinking, I'm gonna. I was scared yeah. to speak to people online at 12. <laughs> Go a different country, that's amazing. That's Good on yeah, you. I remember like literally um, getting to the airport, like Heathrow, and I'd never met my aunt, my aunt, 
and back then there were no like internet or like whatever I only spoke to her on the phone and I remember like she like saying like are you Celtia and I'm like are you Mercedes kind of like we're family but we don't even know each other at all yeah was that, was that quite was that quite daunting or was that something that you were easy was that easy come did that come easy to you um no I I asked for it like I was on the phone with them and I was kind of like what if I go one summer to you like I just wanted to go yeah oh fair play to you fair play to you um totally off topic Dylan do you, were you is are you from the same place as Cahill Redmond do you mean hey, <laughs> Oh, sorry, you froze for a second there. What was that? Sorry. Yeah, me and Cottle went to the same primary school. Did you? Yeah, we did actually. I remember I saw him randomly in air. I was like, what the fuck? Well, can I curse on this podcast, by the way? Yeah, it's uh, fire on, fire yeah, on. Very difficult not to. So yeah, I saw him <laughs> and I was like, what, what the fuck are you doing here? And it was like so random. I hadn't seen him in like 10 years. And now he's like in a random campus in Scotland. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm sorry you had to spend more of your life with him than we did. Hey. <laughs> It's some boy. Good. Give it's us a little fucker, Oh, it's something else, man. Something yeah. else. So that this was a guy um as ginger as they come, right? Uh, yeah. I was lads in our class, same place as Dylan. And uh, he was he was great. He was definitely one of the boys, right? But <laughs> he had this laugh. <laughs> if you got red laughing, right? His surname was Redmond and he had ginger hair. If you got red laughing, it didn't matter what you were talking about. Like that was the <laughs> night you were laughing for the rest of the night because he'd sort of go, <laughs> and then if you got like a proper giggle, like, <laughs> it was the funniest thing on this planet. Was getting red on a proper laughing streak. Um, what did you study in Finland, Dylan? Oh, well, actually, tell us what you studied in Scotland as well. That's <clears throat> funny that like my my studies were. Uh... I don't know if most people feel the same, but a lot of people that I speak to do feel the same, that the studies are almost a bit of a joke, at least that would be my perspective these days, that like I, I'm not saying that young people shouldn't go to university and get a degree, but a lot of what I learned wasn't so useful, but you do get many other benefits out of it. But in Scotland, I studied I think the course was called like activity tourism, which was basically the activities that tourists do, like kayaking and yeah, yeah. rock climbing and all this type of stuff and then in Finland I studied I think the degree was called tourism hospitality and experience management and yeah basically the degree was a mix of tourism and business and I'd say the main benefits of it was just having a yeah learning about general business that if you go into the work world and you don't know like the basics that I, I learned then you'd, you'd struggle a lot and of course there's many social benefits of university but there was a lot of stuff that I learned that you could easily learn a lot better just from online, whether it be YouTube or just getting getting firsthand experience that I wouldn't say my degree was a, a total waste. But I mean, what I'm doing now, it has nothing to do with like tourism. So, yeah. It, it's it's an interesting take that the, the idea that, I mean, obviously I work in academia and I have created a career off of it, but that's not an unpopular opinion. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that in my job, but I don't care. I mean it like it's true. And um, there's so many ways you can learn things. I mean, people laugh when you say, oh, I'll learn something on YouTube, but there's so yeah. much on YouTube. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there are things you can learn yeah. on there. The, 
things you can learn just by Googling, the things you can learn, like I've learned how to promote a podcast, how to generate it into a business, yeah. how to purely myself. Um, yeah. And then let's not get into the potential of like this chat GPT stuff. Like it, I was just about to say, like maybe chat GPT isn't the best to like learn directly from. But one thing that I've seen now is chat GPT can do for like, you can use it as a tool, for example, to create learning plans. I wouldn't want to learn directly off chat GPT. I don't think that would be too wise, but it, like you can prompt it in some ways to really um, benefit you in a great way. And when it comes to universities, what I've realized, and maybe you guys have as well, like, most people they're not really too invested into it. and I wasn't either like if you're going to class and you're thinking okay I really want to benefit myself as much as possible I want to suck every piece of information out of every person that I come across and I really want to learn okay you, you will learn a lot then again maybe you with that kind of attitude you could learn more elsewhere but the majority of people aren't like that the majority of people are just trying to grind through and I was the same just do enough to get the good grade to pass some some courses you enjoy more than others, so you apply yourself more and you learn more. Majority of the time, people are just there to get the degree, say they've, yes, yeah, say they've graduated, and then use that degree to help them get a job. And I think still in today's world, having the degree depends what what kind of career path. But like a lot of businesses aren't really going to look at employing you if you don't have a degree at all unless you can show that like in the years that you should have been studying you really went out there and applied yourself elsewhere i think most most big businesses are like competent businesses will just throw your cv in the bin if you haven't been to university which is fair enough it's it's an interesting one that because when 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 i was applying for graduate positions you were applying for like everything i, I applied for a job because I was starting at like November, December time uh, to be Santa for Fraser's in Edinburgh for the whole of December, right? And <laughs> I, I went all in on that application. Like I was like, oh, let's have a bit of fun. I painted my beard white. I uh, sent in like a, oh, 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 <laughs> Merry Christmas, right? I sent everything in, yeah? And uh, they were like, you're too qualified for this. You've got a master's yeah. degree. Like, mate, it's not a career. Like, I just did it for the fun. <laughs> but... Most places that are looking for a degree, it just says a degree. It's not like yes, degree and this. It's almost like a proof that you can study. Yeah, or you can focus on something Stick for a period something of time. Out. Yeah. yeah, like a lot, a lot of people I went to school with, they just like they're like, oh, I want to go to uni. What do you want to do? I don't know. I just want to go to uni. Like <laughs> they'll figure that out later. But they just want to experience at uni. Yeah, I just wanted to go and and just get drunk really yeah see um, i was just complete opposite way like i just knew what i wanted to do so i was like and it wouldn't have benefited me going to uni so it's like what's what's the point in wasting the money going there so this man loves cows like loves cows i do like my cows yeah i do like my cows um, <laughs> um, um Celtia, tell us about your uh, education you're obviously doing a thesis at the minute um what, what was your master's degree in, and what are you working on at the minute so I, my bachelor's degree actually is in translation and interpreting. So I did that for four years. And, and then, yeah, I had like two years of break from university. And I decided that I didn't want to be a translator or interpreter or anything. So I changed kind of the path. And I started doing um, social policies and migration studies. Uh, so I'm finishing that um, with my thesis now, 
but yeah at the moment i'm i'm working a little bit also as translator because yeah at the end i didn't want to be a translator but at the end it's like so easy to work remotely um so yeah and i know how to do it um and i have the degree so it is has been working a little bit for me but i don't want to do it in the long term but yeah i'm basically focusing on finishing my thesis as soon as possible <laughs> It's so I mean, common that you see that kind of situation as well, that people take a total kind of U-turn in what they're studying, but it only makes sense when like most of us are choosing what we want to do when we're, I was 16 when I had to kind of make a decision, a lot are 17 or 18, but for me, it was just like, I had the idea that I like to travel and tourism made sense. But then as I kind of studied that, I was like, what kind of job can you actually get out of studying tourism? Like maybe like working in a hotel is like a common one or hotel manager or working in a ski resort. I don't want to do any of that shit. You know, that's not, but yeah, when you're choosing, when you're 16 is, I think still think for many young people, the best decision can be just like try to see maybe what the right direction is that you want to go in and go in that direction. Cause if you don't have a great backup plan, like if you're just going to hang around with the boys and try to get like maybe a factory job and see where it goes. I don't think that's ever going to be what I'd recommend over, over studying. But if you have another plan that you want to follow, then that could definitely be, be a better option. So, so, so what, why is it, Sylvia, that you don't want to be a translate, translator in the long term? Um, uh, I mean, I don't like to be all the time like uh, behind the computer kind of scene. That's why it threw me at off yeah um yeah i like languages and all and english is easy and all those things but um i wanted to work with people and that's why i went to like the social policies path and i really want to do it in the future if i can so yeah there <laughs> so how many languages do you know of Celtic? uh so i'm I'm good at uh, Spanish and Galician, which is like the language from my region. And then I'm really good at English, I think. Definitely, I agree, yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then I speak German, kind of. It is really difficult. So I have been studying German for like eight years, but we're still, yeah, kind of still studying. Um, and yeah, that's, that's all. <laughs> It's such a phenomenal ability. But yeah, you, you say that's all level. there, yeah. Like, I mean, I can speak English and Chukter. <laughs> I can like, speak English. That's it. You can't do no Chukter, yeah, that's it. Uh, you don't know as uh, but it's basically just, I can't even speak Chukter. It's just basically a different accent for the Highlands of Scotland. But, <laughs> uh, the um, If you know uh, Spanish and then even a bit of German, English, like we have this idea that it's so easy to travel and the world's smaller now and whatnot because you know planes are so accessible. But truth is, you get to that other place and you're kind of like, well, I'm here and I'm sure I'm going to be able to get by, but it's not going to be easy. You're making that ability, that that sort of, you're almost making the world more open for yourself. I think it's such a phenomenal strength being bi or multilingual. Like it's it's phenomenal. Um, Boys, you know, we're so lost in the UK and Ireland and in most native English speaking countries like for me when I've been around like many foreigners for the last few years I think it's so ridiculous that like most of us can only speak one language and they think it's ridiculous and I always feel like whenever we touch on that topic I feel a bit inferior that these guys can like 
almost all people I come across, they're fluent in two languages, their native language and English. And then we're there that we can only ever speak English. Like it's very rare to find a, a Scottish or an Irish person that's fluent in anything but but English. And I think we're we're missing out on a on a lot. I think maybe Celtic can can back me up on this, but you often hear people say that like when you learn a new language, you learn a new way of thinking, you learn a new way of seeing the world and all this. And then we I kind of feel like we're a bit inferior that we're kind of stuck in our own ways where we only speak speak one language and yeah obviously it has massive strengths that i think in the working world or when it comes to anything one of our main benefits is that we speak native level english like that in the especially now when me and selty are both kind of in the freelance online working space if you can bring native level english to the table jesus christ that's honestly as strong as anything but we obviously there's pros and cons to it it's a the trade-off and then we don't have the the second language but it's it's tragic that that's seen as a strength in that sense you know like can, can you speak other languages though i can speak a little of quite a few languages but none of them good enough to be able to work in for example or to be able to like have any proper conversation but i can speak enough to like have have a bit of crack with the lads out on like the playing tacos here in mexico or something or yeah yeah, it's, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's embarrassing. I mean, I tried to learn Icelandic once. Um, and fun fact about Icelandic, I believe it's Hey, How Are You has two references to pigs in it because it's Gamanahitathi, but that's spelt as Gamanahitapig, uh, which is <laughs> like the only thing I remembered about learning Icelandic. But it was this is a- maybe where we're going wrong, but we're just. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Also, As a whole country that knows his language, you just pick up on stupid things <laughs> for different phrases. And also, I'm, I'm picking a country of 330,000, but no other country speaks that language. Yeah, like, no. It's a hard language as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, Go for Spanish. <laughs> Spanish will open you up. I am actually trying to learn Spanish these days. At some point, yeah, this kind of started to get to me that, especially when I travel a lot, it's not that people expect me to speak languages, but... I kind of expect it of myself that it's, it feels yeah. a bit pathetic of myself when I'm like, I, I like the idea of immersing in cultures and I like the idea of connecting with people from foreign countries. But then when I can only speak some basics of very, of any other, of any foreign language, then it's like, it's about time that I kind of get my shit together and just try. And I, I have always kind of convinced myself that I'm not good with languages. I think a lot of people have this. Did you guys learn any languages in school, by the way? I, I did French for three years and I couldn't have been less interested in it at the time. But yeah. now I'm like, I really wish I invested more time yeah. in it. Yeah, but, but why is that? They, they, they make it, uh, oh, you have to learn what this word means. They don't say, they don't portray the cultural benefits. They don't portray yeah. the, the, the commerce, the business benefits that you could have in the yeah. future. Um, did you learn a language Wallace was it the same French or something it, like that uh, French was the only option we had was French uh, yeah. and I think we offered German in sixth year so you get one year to learn what I understand one to be year. difficult of the heart of, yeah. of the common languages if that makes sense yeah, yeah you know we actually have a really interesting situation in Ireland you boys know that Irish is a language right I wouldn't know I would it would be what uh, Gaelic would be yeah only. so this Foreigners always refer to our language as Gaelic, whereas Gaelic is more like the idea of the culture. We only ever call it Irish. In, in the Irish language, it's Gaelga. But then when we speak English, we call it Irish. Yeah, and it's quite similar to the language that you guys have. Well, it's 
Scots, is it? Or well, Gaelic, because they're yeah. basically it's the same. Gaelic as well. Gaelic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's quite similar. I can recognize quite a lot of words in that language, but in Ireland, it's a situation that, um, yeah, obviously the whole island spoke it before the Brits invaded. The Brits almost totally killed the language that now we have about 5% who speak uh, as their native language, mostly in the very west of Ireland in very small areas that, yeah, people speak it as their, their family language, speak it in the family, speak it in the, in the villages or whatever. Then the rest of the country have to learn it. So every single Irish person in the Republic, it's compulsory education that I and every other Irish person that you'll speak to from the Republic, it's different in the North, but in the Republic have to learn it every single day for their full primary and secondary school education. So it's about 12 years. So imagine I've learned Irish every single day for 40 minutes for 12 years. And my Irish is absolutely atrocious. Like it's it's basically non-existent. And a lot of Irish feel the same. I think about maybe 20 to 30% are fluent in it because yeah, they were good in school. They, sure. whatever reason they, they became good in it. But then there's so many who've dedicated so much time to it. Dedicated, sat in the class doing fuck knows what. But yeah, we uh, we can't speak it. We it's It's sad because at the time, as you guys mentioned, the way they kind of, the way they sell you the idea, they don't really sell you the idea of learning French on, yeah, they just say, here, this is it now, you're learning French or you're learning Irish and you're just sitting in the class. And I remember even when we were very young, people would be saying like, this is useless, this this language is useless, this is a dead language and nobody really cared about it. But now I wish that somebody could have sat me down when I was starting to learn it and said like, this is the language of our people, this matters to our country and don't want to let it die and kind of, preach the patriotic side to it or the, the nationalistic side to it, that this is a, a language that's very valuable to our people and we don't want to lose it. And how cool is it that we have a language that the rest of the world don't speak and we can communicate to each other in it without other people understanding? And nobody ever sat me down to say that, whereas that could have maybe, um, who knows, I, if I was a child, I would not, but now at least, I wish, I have, that's probably my biggest regret in life is that I just didn't apply myself to learning Irish when I had to sit in the class anyway. Literally, had to, I was just sitting there. What was I doing? Just looking at the walls, drawing pictures, messing with the lads. Like, you know yourself, when you're forced to do it, you might as well actually apply yourself. So that's a huge regret on my part. I think it's got to be respected for Ireland that there's a concerted effort that that's happening. I mean, yeah. Yeah. when we're when we like our parents' age, Gaelic's gone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, it's gone. Yeah, I mean, we... They, you We've not done one class in it. Nah. No, through the whole school like I don't know one person that could speak three words of Gaelic I know one person that's fluent yeah um, but, but the truth is also- she's yeah she's on Aaron she's fluent in English as well like she speaks English but she's fluent in Gaelic and she's in teaching and she's never been offered the opportunity to be like right trips let's go over Gaelic I know what Alba is I know what Falty is and I think that is all I know Wales is very good actually because yeah Wales is I was say yeah yeah, my my ex. I don't remember. If, I don't know if you remember Jess Island. She was Dylan. She was sort of in our year as well. But um, her her dad said her from Wales. And uh, when I was down there, man, like I was, I was learning, was not learning Welsh at all, but hearing it, just seeing that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone. Um, uh, her cousin was in a Welsh speaking school, and her other cousin was in English speaking school. But the English had to do Welsh, and the Welsh had to do English. Yeah. Like it was really, um, we should take something from that. And, and Wales is a great example. 
I'm not sure exactly what they're doing right, but I think the level of Welsh there is actually ridiculously high. That I think I might be wrong, but I think most Welsh people are able to have a conversation in Welsh, and there's so many that are able to speak it really well. I'm not sure if they're doing something better in terms of education. I'm guessing the language isn't any easier. It looks like it's quite a difficult language, but whatever they're doing, I wish that Ireland could at least follow follow their path and whatever and I, I mean you guys have totally kind of made the decision to not even try to keep the language anymore at least you haven't made the drastic move to make it compulsory in schools but i'd say that's the only thing that's going to keep it alive in ireland i myself think it's a good rule that we have a compulsory for everybody but i'm sure there's many people and i would have been one of them that said that it's such a ridiculous rule that we spend like one of our core subjects everybody has to learn english everyone has to learn maths and everyone has to learn irish unless you're exempt so yeah. it's like 99 percent of people learn irish which is a big move which i would have disagreed with in the past but now i think if it's going to keep our language alive and now I'm a bit more patriotic and I love my country a lot more than I would have back then. So I, I see more of the reasoning behind that. Well, I mean, um, Celsia, you were saying there, you know, like what was it began with G actually, the language that you have from. Yeah, that's yeah. a good example as well, actually. If yeah. Wants to yeah, so, so, so we learn Galician since we are, I don't know, uh, six, seven. So it is always mandatory. We even have to pass the exam um, to go to college. One of the subjects is always Galician. And yeah, it is mandatory. We also learn English since we are eight. And then uh, when we are 12, we start with French or German for like four or six years. Um, yeah, but like, I mean, the, the good thing is like Galician is pretty similar to Spanish. So it is easier that people pick up and they can talk and stuff. It is still like the, the situation, of course, this is still like a really strong language, like Spanish against a, um, a small language in that sense. So like Spanish is always winning more speakers and all, and we are always losing more. Um, yeah, the numbers don't look as bad as Iris right now, but they look bad. Like in the future, they will be bad. But um, yeah, in Spain, there are like few languages like mine and they have Basque and Basque is really, really different from anything else in the world. They, they don't even know what is the roots. There are like some theories saying that it has African roots. Like nobody knows how that appears, like absolutely different from everything. And they have like 20, 40 years ago, it was almost gone and like people, really battle through and say like oh this is almost gone and right now like it has had like some kind of reverse or whatever and right now there are so many people fluent and it is a really difficult language and it was almost gone and people said like no wait a minute we want it back and they just did it like people and the government of course helped but it was just like people doing it so it's possible <laughs> It's interesting you say, but I'm a bit of a, oh my God, it's chucking it down. It was lovely two minutes ago. Um, the, we were literally just speaking to a footballer an hour or so ago, and I'm going to go back to football, but Basque region, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think what I'm saying right is it's home to Real Sociedad and Atlético Bilbao. And, and if you know or not, it doesn't matter, but I'm, pre I'm pretty certain this is the case. In particular... Is it Sociedad? Is it Bilbao? Bilbao, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Are only allowed to have 
footballers from region. region. And yeah. I heard about that and I was like, that can't be real. That is yeah. the most commendable thing. And they're football. still in the top division in Spain. Oh, mate, and they're like, yeah. after your top three, they're in the next, not the next batch. They're sort of like mid to low table. Yeah. But like, that, I think that's amazing. And maybe maybe they just have, have a, an extremely strong self-heritage promotion in them like that. Yeah. Very, like, yeah. So, 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 of course, we have our dictatorship until, uh, until the eighties, nineties. Well, and uh, Basque was forbidden, as and Galician was forbidden, and everything that was nationalistic, but from the regions, was forbidden. So, yeah, we couldn't teach about Galician literature or Basque literature. That was absolutely forbidden. So when when yeah at the end of the dictatorship there was like a terrorist group in basque basqueland and they were like of course like really nationalistic and they were um yeah they were killing um but still like nowadays they, they are dissolved you now they, they are no longer existent but but there is still like a really strong like pride proud right about yeah, yeah they are really proud about the language because it's like absolutely nuts and they are really proud of being like such a small region but they have like a lot of power and they have a lot of money also and they're yeah they have like weird traditions and yeah they are just proud about everything they have which is really cool yeah it's yeah. interesting can correct me right, go ahead Wals. say that again Dylan yeah, certainly you can correct me, but I, if I'm wrong, but I believe that Spain, it's built up of many of these different types of areas that each area kind of has its own culture and traditions and often language, like maybe you guys, like so most people listening or Catalonia is the most famous area, yeah, where like they speak their own language and they see themselves different as Spanish. And, uh, Selvia's region is the same, Galicia, so is um, the Basque region or the Valencia people, everyone kind of sees themselves of course, they, they might see themselves as Spanish. Most of them probably do. But then they almost sometimes more importantly see themselves as from the region that they're from. And then they often have their own language, as I said. And then in Celtia's language situation, that maybe um, she didn't fully explain, but it's nowhere near Dave, like as it is in our countries. But she still speaks the language to her dad. And if you go to the shop, people are still speaking this language. So basically, it's some kind of split that some people prefer to speak Spanish and some people prefer to speak Galatian. Can you give yeah. a percentage on that? Or no, no, I think like as first language right now, Galatian might be in like the forty percent. Yeah, forty percent yeah, of our region. Like so, that's, yeah. that's insane. Yeah, yeah. I, you you, know. you'll never ever see anyone speaking anyone but English because they'll be yeah. speaking. They'll be speaking yeah. to themselves. That yeah. <laughs> would just be that's where <laughs> I, I've got a feeling that that's what they're doing in Wales, maybe a bit differently. Like I feel yeah. there's more people actually speaking Welsh as their primary. Yeah, language. Yeah. Um, and if like if you're hearing it, then you'll pick it up. Like uh, you'll definitely pick it up a lot easier. But sure. um, Dylan, what is it the online job that you do? So I juggled quite a lot of jobs for a while. Basically, like lots. Of, I have a sales background. I have some experience in just yeah, sales of different different things I can talk a bit. So um, at some point I had many different sales jobs. I was selling random shit. Like I was working for a, a basically a company that builds websites. I was selling, sold so much random shit. Like I was selling little bottles of um, 
hand sanitizers at some stage. I've been selling some different, uh, selling for a company that creates apps and yeah, lots of different things. And at some point I kind of hit the jackpot with the job that I'm currently doing. So I quit all other jobs to do this. And it's quite a, quite a niche and kind of complicated job to explain, but basically I'm some kind of research consultant. So I call up businesses and find out information and then present that information to businesses or consultants who who want the information. And yeah, that's something like that. Wow. That's that's a random job to get into. It is. Yeah. 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 Suppose you you'll be able to do that kind of jumping about wherever you want though, will you? That's ex- that's exactly it. Like it's it's the main benefit of the job. It's not like the, the dream job that I wake up in the morning and I'm like, oh, this is so meaningful to me. This is what I've always wanted to do. But for me, I never really or at some point I kind of let that dream go happily that now I'm okay to do the job that it does feel like a chore. It feels like I'm not like, ooh, I'm so happy to start my day. But it's definitely bearable. It's not like this is hell. I hate this. It's bearable. feels like a job. pays good enough money that I can live like a king in many countries because places that we're traveling to, they can be so cheap that you can make very little money and you can just be killing it. Like, for example, I heard somebody say the other day that to be in the top percent, top one percent of earners worldwide, you need to make, I think it was 32,000 euro per year or dollars, which is about 2.5,000 per month. So if you make two and a half thousand euro per month, you're in the top 1% of earners worldwide. So then when I'm making like decent money, I go to a place like Thailand, I can just live like a king. Like in Thailand, you can be getting, most meals will be costing between one and two euro. And if you go to the the best restaurant, you're not really going to be paying more than 10 euro for the meal. And then you can just live this kind of like king lifestyle off a wage that you can barely survive off in a country like Finland or even in the UK. Like in London, if I'm making the money I make and I can probably just about survive in London, not comfortably, but in Thailand, I'm the man. I am living it up. <laughs> there's absolutely nothing appealing about living in London though. No, Maybe there's not. Uh, you've obviously done it, Celtia, but uh, yeah. Um, Finland, is Finland not the third highest in the world for cost of living is number it could well be it could well sure be one's its neighbor in sweden mm-hmm. but yep. uh, uh yes so, so you've done that's a, that's a quick question i guess maybe as a side note what, what is it like cost wise in finland it's, what, it's what, very rough i it's very expensive i done my i done three years there altogether as a student and i think thankfully as a student you get some kind of deal from the government that you get cheap enough accommodation. I was paying 350 a month, if I remember correctly. But once you're out of that system, I think you're paying like over a thousand normally. Or if you're lucky, you might get something for, for 700 in Helsinki, that is. And then I think I was just about surviving off 100 euro per week after that. And that was like just basically buying like frozen pizzas and, and, and whatnot. But then if you want to go to like a restaurant in Helsinki, you're going to be like, it's very unlikely you can find anything for cheaper than 15, just for like a pasta or something. Like you're not really going to find cheaper than 15. But then on the other hand, there's so many like social benefits, like the education's free. Like when I went there, it was the case that education was free for everybody, which I think Scotland, at least at some point, had some kind of a similar, similar not, system. Not for everybody though. It's only for you. Was it important? Yeah, I think but that's, when I went to Scotland, it was the case that um, education was free for everybody except the English. <laughs> yeah, which 
which is really bad. And I don't really know what that's changed. It's slightly different. I don't know exactly what it is. Do you know it's it's quite bad? Like, I mean, it, it's good that we offer free education, but free education comes at a huge cost. Yeah. And yeah. And, and that huge cost fell on the shoulders of um, Asian students, you know, so because uh, they got no assistance, yeah. uh, whereas EU did. America's did to a point, I can't remember what it was, but in my master's, I was at Glasgow Uni, there was 23 of us and 17 of us were Chinese. And uh, I got really close with, uh, well, most of them actually, but in particular, Joanji and Siaming. And uh, I spoke to them and we got really close and I'd said like, are you guys like rich? Like if you're coming here, are you? is it difficult? And she was like, yeah. Um, and I think it was 34,000 they were paying. When I was paying, I was paying seven. Yeah. And I, I got five and a half of that covered, obviously. 34, man, that's in, that's that's American levels, yeah? That's like, um, which is, yeah, I, I don't know what the solution is. I don't know how you create a free education system for your own without completely reducing culture and the fact that you tax those coming in, you know? It's, um, yeah. it's a really tricky one. I really don't know what the answer is there. So it's a Not in Finland, it was the case that, I think that they changed it to just EU, but I'm pretty sure when I started, it was free education for absolutely anybody. So there was lots of Vietnamese coming there and they fly in to do the entrance exam. There's an entrance exam for universities in Finland to fly into the entrance exam. And then there's so many Vietnamese, lots of Chinese and many other Asians that come to take advantage of that. And yeah, it's great in many ways, but as for everything else in Finland, the taxpayer is the one that has to has to pay Finland as a society where like everybody kind of yeah pays their taxes for the greater good and it's amazing that like the education even like the primary education is arguably the best in the world and healthcare is amazing healthcare is free and everything for everybody is like somewhat good but then if you're making somewhat of a decent wage in Finland you're paying about 50% tax some people like that idea personally I would not be a big fan of like because the problem is there's so many smoochers, people who just like will feed off the system. Some like even if even in Ireland we have somewhat of a problem of people who don't want to work and just take advantage of these benefits. So it's obviously unfair when you have the guy out there working his balls off making a fuck lot of money and um yeah, paying 50% to the greater good of everybody. And then there's so many people who just like take advantage of that. It's the tax is an interesting one. I'll I'll throw my opinion in. Um I I'm just on the cusp of the next bracket, which is, I can't remember, 40, I think. And I'm quite happy to pay that. Uh, I, I don't know, like, there's a lot. I don't like the idea of taxing success. Uh, it almost like, I don't know. But I think, I think there's, a, there's, a, there's a confusing idea in people's heads that if you go over a new tax code, that your full income's taxed at that level. Which it's is only the part that goes over. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. a lot of people don't know that. And I'm talking like a lot of adults don't know that. Yeah, uh, I was the same when I was working in Finland. I remember I was trying to like, somebody was trying to like, give me like a small promotion. And I was like, oh, I don't want to get that promotion because then I'll go over the amount and I'm not making less. And they're like, wait a minute, that's not how it works, obviously, because that would be a mess of a system. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're, earning, you're earning 49 grand and you're taking home like 22 and then you're in 51. Yeah. Suddenly you're taking home like 18. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, 32 and 28. Um, yeah, no, that, that wouldn't work. Uh, you mentioned it was sort of like, a, um, what would you call it, Dylan? Like 
patriotism when you're talking about the Irish accent there. Eh, not accent, language, sorry. Um, you, you put a post up maybe two or three months ago where you'd obviously been back home and you'd written through the fact, like what you'd said earlier, that the idea of being in one place just didn't compute with you. You'd went through that and then you'd went through this journey, which you're still on and I assume will continue to be on for however long. But then coming back to Wexford was like so conflicting because at the same time of I'm doing the right thing, you're like, I'm missing out on a lot as well. Is, is there, and this, this goes to you as well, Celia, absolutely, because you're doing the exact same thing just from a different country. Is, is homesickness something you deal with or is that is that like something you use? How, how does that come into these things? I don't really feel homesick. No, <laughs> um, no I, I, I really enjoy going back when I go back and it always feels like little like uh, holidays and reconnecting and it is always like the fun part like you do the the fun things like everybody's like putting the time to meet you and yeah it always feels like um yeah I haven't been home for long since like two years ago or something and yeah when I go back as it is short it feels like holiday mood so it's always cool but after like the third week or something I'm always like kind of like done like it is kind of like yeah I'm okay here but definitely like um I'm not the same person as when I left and it feels like um I'm just living an absolutely different life so when I I'm back it's like kind of like two realities clashing so it feels like like for the first weeks you can just like you don't feel that like it is kind of on the back of your head but it's not that but at some point it's just like so obvious and I don't know, like conflicts starts to arise or whatever. And then at the end of the day, like I'm not happy there. And for example, my mom doesn't like to hear that I'm not happy there, but it's like, it's not because of them, but I am truly not happy at all in my town. Like it makes me not happy. Like it doesn't make me happy. Like people can make me happy in certain times, but like the whole like environment, I literally feel myself like, getting smaller and smaller like even my brain getting smaller when I'm there and yeah I love the people there but it's just like not like here what's the point in trying to put yourself through that <laughs> do you know if there's, a, if there's another way you can avoid that yeah yeah what yourself Dylan yeah so <clears throat> when I first left home I remember it was a big problem and I, I, I think most people who have never left their home to live abroad they will say kind of naive comments like no I'd never miss it here and I'd never want to come back and blah blah but it, and I was one of those but it hit me quite hard quite fast I'd say within the first year in Scotland already it was getting quite tough that I had like a proper community as most people would in their in their home like I had a great group of friends and I was very close to my family and whatever and then you go to a place where you don't know anybody that was quite tough that to, if I remember correctly I might have even been like literally crying at some points like at, at night time crying missing home and <clears throat> whatever but never actually thinking that I want to go back permanently because of that it was always like the that was kind of a sacrifice that I just had to make that I realized quite fast that if I want to live the life I want to live I'm gonna have to get used to being homesick and I'd say that the homesickness built it got like deeper like I missed home more and more up until about two year mark and then it started to go the opposite way 
that now it's the case that I don't have the physical because homesickness. It's funny that the word actually has sickness in it, and in my in my experience, it was a physical feeling for quite a while, like actually in my belly, feeling like yeah, knots in the stomach and this type of thing. That's totally gone away. That now it's just like. <clears throat> I understand in the reality that um, I like the idea of home. I like to go home and yeah, I kind of fantasize about many aspects of it. And I'm very happy at home, whereas it may be happier than Celia described her being, but it's just something that I kind of have to get used to that. I know that I'm, I'm happy at home, but I'm not going to be happy if I live there. Not at all. So I kind of, I go home, I enjoy my time there. And as I, as the post that you mentioned, still the, through realities become a lot more obvious when you go back. I can sometimes kind of have an idealistic idea in my mind that at home everything is is great or always look on the positive side of things, see my friends and think they're all having such a good time. But then when you go back, the last time I was home, which was this Christmas, I spent two months, which is the longest I've spent home in four or five, six years. And then you start to kind of get more stuck into the actual realities and you start to see the struggles of your friends and you start to yeah get caught kind of a get wrapped up in the reality of how things aren't so great and then yeah that's kind of heartbreaking in a way when <clears throat> I love my home and I love my my hometown and all the people it's not so nice to see the people aren't so happy a lot of them some people killing it loving life but many many aren't I can relate to that I mean yeah. I'm not in Mexico um <clears throat> 50 miles from home yeah but yeah. like when I go home three weeks is like the cap for me yeah and I'm not like you it and I go back and I'm not happy but it's it's not it's not my life now and and I don't know what that life is currently it's living where I do but it's going home as you go and it's so nice to see your mum and dad it's so nice to see your mates like you say but then um there's a reason I left you know and yeah. and and you realize that you realize that you're in the place you are and there's not a day I live here and I'm like, I want to go home. I don't have that at all anymore. And in truth, I'm saying home. I don't actually see it fully as home now. I probably see here as home. And it's, it's, it's a weird, and that's a totally different thing because you guys are, are much more nomadic in that sense, but it's, it's sort of that consideration of what home is. Um, for me, that's very strong in my mind. Like home is home. It's always going to be awake for us. Yeah, there's no no ever debating that in my mind. It's like a solid, strong idea. I think it's a home. Like it, the farm, mum, dad, that's a safe place for me. Like it always will be. Um, but I'm, I'm very settled where I am. You've you've never really left the toilet. What, what's what's the thought of this like for you? No, listen, like I've um like I've I've just been on holiday and that, but I've never like lived uh anywhere else and yeah, I think it'd be great to try it in that, but I think it's just what I've got here, it's like working at home on the family farm and uh, we're really busy here and I think just for moving the business forward and like I know this is what I want to do for the rest of my life, like I know that and I'm really happy with that. Like, yeah, I want to go and see different parts of the world. I think it would be great eventually. But right now, like I think because we're just – won't get into it too much but like we're just gonna start in a new venture in the last 10 years and still still moving on quite 
quickly with that. So I think it'll come eventually. But for me, I'm very settled and happy where where I am with it now. But every, everyone's different, isn't it? So. Hey, that's the thing. You sound happy. So that's kind of the main thing. If you're happy with that kind of lifestyle, I wouldn't be the one who's like, what's that you? Look at my throat for the last two minutes. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't like preach to people that like you should live my lifestyle and my lifestyle is so great. And like, I wouldn't sell that to somebody who's genuinely happy with the life that they, they live. And you did genuinely do sound like that's the kind of life that suits you. Whereas for me, on the other hand, if I was actually in Wexford and I was I was living there, I would do absolutely anything to leave. Like I would work my absolute balls off. I would just honestly, I would dedicate my whole life to just pulling whatever strings I can and doing what I can in order to leave. And I know there's many people who live the lifestyle that you've described that like you're in one place where you are from and you're very, very happy there. And if that's what you're doing, like thumbs up, like go for it. But it's unfortunate that there's so many people that I speak to who are on the other side of things that they are in the place that they're born, but they fucking hate it. That I get this conversation so much. Like I remember when I used to go home first after like swing away for a few years, so many people would come to me in the local nightclub and they'd be like, Oh man, you're living away. I'd love to do that. I'd love to get out of here. I was like, would you actually? Yeah. 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 I'd love that. I was like, but why don't you? Asher, how, how can I? I was like, I can help you. Like, I can actually help you to leave. Like, let's let's do this. I'm sure you can, son. You know yourself, Asher. I said, what? Asher, you know, like, you know, you know what? Like, why can't you? Just fucking do it. Like, if you actually want to, do it. Simple as that. But people, for whatever reason, they then get stuck in this in this lifestyle, which they don't like. And that kind of breaks my heart, especially when it's people who are close to me, who I think have a lot of potential and they can, for sure, if they put their mind to it, they can live the life that will make them happy. But there's something holding them back that then they live unhappily to kind of you know, oversimplify it. I mean, I, I didn't thought it was possible. Like, I always wanted to travel. And yeah, um, yeah, honestly, I didn't thought it was possible. And then Dylan went full mode, sales full mode, salesman. full sales <laughs> mode, and I ended up starting traveling so hard for the last year. And yeah, I didn't, I honestly always had that like saying, I always said that so many occasions, like I want to travel, I want to travel. And it turns out that I could. <laughs> this lifestyle that we live, this is really like the the very end of the spectrum like of people who want to travel and want to live this is kind of the ideal scenario where you just travel the world pretty much as kind of as much as as you want but even people who just want to like leave their home like selfie done that for a long time i done that for a long time just living abroad basically but now it's become in today's world it's become i'm not going to say it's easy but it's easier than it's ever been to live the lifestyle that we live like if if let's say you're 24, 25, 26 or whatever, and you've spent, if you haven't spent all of your adult life being a total waster, and if you've put any kind of attempt into self-development and you've built a character that can just do shit, like if you're competent in any, just competent in general, if you can write sentences that people properly understand, if you can write an email that communicates your idea, if you can speak to people without being <clears throat> totally useless, like if you're a useful person, in general, which you should be if you've dedicated any amount of time to just building your character and to self-development, then you will be at the stage that you can provide your character to people and they will pay you money. And you don't have to be, as we said before, you don't need to have a degree in 
in something that's very specific and to be a specialist in that. But if you're just a character that is employable, there's opportunities out there in today's world. So um, like this whole digital nomad lifestyle or just online work is becoming a big thing, especially with COVID, it's kind of got it up going. But like if you're somebody who feels like they have put enough time into building their character up until now and you feel like you're somewhat competent as a, as a person, then you can go online and just spend spend 10 hours or 20 hours just Googling, how do I get an online job? And just read and read and read. And I, I'm very confident that you'll find something. It might not pay you a lot, but if you can find something that pays you, let's say, if you can get some, if you can get a job or many different jobs that will lead to you being paid about 800 euro a month, you can live in many many countries like in a place like i've mentioned thailand a lot it's one of my favorites and it's also one of the cheapest but there's many southeast asian countries or many countries worldwide that 800 euro a month you're going to be living a decent lifestyle and for most people if you're unhappy with where you currently are you'll be a lot happier in thailand with 800 euro a month like there's there's so, there's so many people i think kind of like that are out there that will just they just would never even think about taking the leap to actually move anywhere else. And they, yep. they don't know happiness in any other way, I suppose. But uh, so are you quite settled where you are there now or where's, where's next for you guys? We're as settled as we have been in a long time. That now we're, because for the last two years, right, I've been to, I think I calculated there a while ago that in the last two years alone, I've been to 31 countries. And for a lot of those, I've spent quite a few months in, like two months or three months, but and in a lot, just like a day or a week or whatever. But I started to get to the feeling that, um, first of all, it's not good for financially. I want to save a bit of money, but I'm spending so much money on flights. And also, so financial was one thing. And also in terms of getting a rhythm going, like when we were in India, we spent about two months in India and we changed place roughly every week or, or two weeks. It's so hard to get any kind of rhythm that you're constantly kind of in a, in a mode of, of moving which is beautiful in some ways but now when it's been two years pretty much of that I got the feeling and Selty also agreed that it would be nice to settle for a while so we said let's go to Mexico let's stay in Mexico for six months so that's the plan now we're going to be here for six months we're going to spend two months will it be six months altogether yeah three months here yeah, it's about five or six months anyway three months in this city then we're going to go to a different city for one month and then we're going to go to Mexico City for about a month and a half at the end and uh, not only is that good like in terms of us we can hope we can get the rhythm going we can always be in the feeling of moving it's a new place everything's so exciting and we can concentrate more on work on other things that we want to kind of um develop like my spanish for example like we discussed before yeah and also um in mexico was like a good uh, place that we bought the cider was a, a good place to kind of settle in for a while Mexico City will be an interesting one. Is it not like the fourth most populous city in the world? It's massive. Yeah, because it's it's always hard to say um, the the biggest cities because it depends on how it's measured in terms of like the circle. But I think in some True. of them, yeah, yeah cool. some of them, some calculations in Mexico is the third biggest. Massive. It's so. I mean, like we've probably I don't know how long we've spoke. We've spoke for over an hour already. It flies by, but um, we haven't actually spoke about the countries you've been to. So. Uh, Tell us some, I mean, I, I doubt you can remember 59 and 29 respectively off, off the top of your head, but tell us some standouts. And, and I have one 
in particular that I'm going to ask you about, Dylan, that I've already asked you about and you've told me a lot about, but tell us some standouts from your, your travels, the both of you. Standouts? Ah, this one's... Uh, for me, it was definitely... Uh, I mean, Vietnam was one standout for me because it was gorgeous. my... Huh? It gorgeous. Ah, yeah, and it was the first time I did solo traveling so yeah um yeah so it was crazy for me it was my first time doing solo traveling for a whole month in a really foreign like really far away country so that was great um sri lanka was is still one of my favorites like we saw elephants so it is always going to be one of my favorites um yeah people are so everything was so nice um i don't know <laughs> uh, there's some pretty good choices i mean like if, when, i don't know I'm, I'm obviously not a traveler i've sort of more went down the career route but like um when you think of gorgeous places there's two places that jump out in my head one is like Highland, not highland but inland croatia not your dubrovniks and that sort of thing and then vietnam it, it just looks geologically stunning um yeah, that's that's a good one. Do you know I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a geography nerd in the sense like capital cities and stuff like that. And Sri Lanka really annoyed me because it was an easy one to remember in Colombo, and yeah. then they changed it to like Sri. I don't know some. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what about yourself, Dylan? Yeah, I think one point that I was going to mention there a second ago, which is also relevant for this, is that for me the countries that I tend to like the most are the ones that I would kind of answer to these kind of questions that are the ones that I've spent a bit more time in, which is also why now I want to spend a bit more time in Mexico. You just become, you, you understand the culture more, you become, start to like feel the country more in your heart. You start to get the country, country more. But I think um, in general, the ones that Celtia mentioned are great, like Vietnam, Sri Lanka, I would recommend to anybody. And also yeah, Thailand, once again, is one that like, if I want to recommend to other people, Thailand is the one that I say because it has everything. It has the best food. It has friendly people. It's so, so beautiful. It's so cheap. And also it's set up in a way that if you're a beginner traveler, then Thailand is quite easy to travel and the infrastructure is there and people can speak English as many other travelers and, and things like that. And yeah, but then for me personally, if I had to choose my my favorites are the ones that mean the most to me my most memorable countries it's i'm not sure which order they go in but the top three is quite clear that it's iran egypt and tanzania so iran i just spent one month there uh, last year like such a crazy place in so many ways that i could speak about it for hours that there's it's just a mad mad place it really is egypt i spent five months there last year i loved it i like our countries in general, I had a good connection with a family there who kind of took me in as one of their own, and that really changed my changed my um, experience. Cairo is just a wild city that I really love, and then Tanzania is my the first country that I traveled solo in. I went there when I was nineteen and traveled solo for for two months all around the country, which really is a, a life changing experience. So there'd be the three that for me would be my three favorite or three standard. Yeah. I think Iran was when I really started to follow you. I really, I, I was like, for, for those of you listening, I, I don't actually know your Instagram off the top of my head, Celtia, but Dylan's is adventures underscore of underscore goody, I think it is. Um, yes. Celtia, what's yours if you want to plug it, fire on. 
I have been a traveling one, and it is called Felty on the Road. Excellent. Well, I'm going to follow that because, like, I, I, I love watching your style, and I really I've shared it a few times. Like, and Iran was interesting because we see we see it as a place that you don't want to travel to. You know, there's that perception, isn't there? And, and I thought, I watch a, a YouTube channel called Yes Theory, who I assume you guys are aware of, maybe not. Um, it's, it's just right up your street. It's just, they go everywhere. They've got like that Drew Binsky on board, who I think was the youngest guy to go to every country, uh, or the youngest male to go to every country. Um, and they just go and, they, and it's like, it's like your life being filmed with a million pounds behind them, you know? Like uh, just seeing these, real places that we discard from our sort of perception of reality because we're like, we're never going to go there. And seeing you go there was so interesting. Was, was it Iran that they were playing cricket in the street or was that India? Sri Lanka. That was that Sri Lanka. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, some of the stuff you share is brilliant. And just when you mentioned Tanzania there, did, did you go up Kilimanjaro with yeah. some classmates or was that? Yeah. 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 What was that yeah. like? Difficult. <laughs> I can imagine, man. Jesus, yeah. You know, you will read online, and I spoke to many people in Tanzania because I travelled there for two months before climbing, and many people will say it's easy that, like, as long as you're, you're somewhat healthy and you have a bit of determination, it's fine. But then we had a group of, I think, it was a group of 15 and 8 made it, if I remember correctly. So it was, yeah, I mean, they didn't die, but they... <laughs> they made it to the top they're still, they're still up there yeah, yeah they, uh, because what happens is the altitude I think fucks people up big time but like we had one guy that was like the real um, fitness freak like he went to the gym a lot in really good shape and really um, yeah, physically healthy but once the altitude sickness hit him he was just he was gone like we had he could barely move he could just he was just finished there was no chance of him making it to the top and I'd say myself it was all fine until I think the last 24 hours then the last, like the last part of it was still definitely the biggest physical challenge of my life that the body just feels like it's shutting down. You're almost like falling asleep and it's just, yeah, it's just, a, you need some kind of extremely strong mental willpower just to keep taking one step, one step, one step. Yeah. And then it made it to the top and it's a, obviously a great feeling when you do, when you do get up there, but it's, it's not known as like a difficult climb that I think anybody who is somewhat physical healthy, they should be able to, to make it as long as they have a bit of willpower but that's obviously not a it doesn't look so good statistically when 50, about 50 percent of our group didn't even make it to the top so yeah. what's it, what was it is that nineteen thousand meters that's what i wanted to say yeah is that right that's nineteen thousand feet but i'm not too it's, sure i think maybe like you're right, because Everest is 8.8 thousand meters. Yeah, so that's right, thousand feet. That's bad. I, I think there's no views though, because you're not just looking at clouds at that point. You're well past the the clouds. I think you might even because I think it's a what five day climb was our six day climb, and I think you already passed the clouds within the first few days. So yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's so cool. It's cool, isn't it? It's really cool. Very cool. Yeah, what, what we're saying with Iran, that um, that definitely does appeal to me, these countries that like people don't hear about so much or they at least aren't popular with, with too many people. And maybe it's the same in Scotland, but a lot of Irish people, they go to the same destinations over and over again, these kinds of places on the Spanish coast, or they might go a bit more adventurous and go to some city in, in Europe. 
or whatever. But for me, I always kind of had the feeling that I want to go to these places that, first of all, no other people go and that we just don't know much about or we don't hear a lot about. And Iran is a good example that the only time we hear about this is kind of talking about the negative side of it, whether it be some problems with the US or about how the government treats the people and whatever. And then I had some Iranian friends. When you start to talk to them a little bit, you learn a bit more. And then one thing that really made Iran go to very high on the list is you speak to people who have been to these people who have been to every country or these people who travel a lot. Iran is so often on the very top of the list or very near to the top of the list. So then you start to think like, hey, wait a minute, this is kind of a strange one isn't it and then i started to look more into it and over maybe two or three years i just like i read and watched and listened to so much about the country that then when i eventually entered the hype and the excitement was so real that i've never been so happy to get into a country as i was when i eventually got into iran and it lived up every expectation is north korea on the list I think with North Korea, it's the case that you need the official tour. So you need to like basically stay a part of a group and you can't really um, go your own way, which for me is the exact experience that I don't want. Like I want to have the freedom to just bounce around, have to crack, drink with the locals and, and all this kind of thing. When you can't do that in North Korea, it's not so appealing for the moment. There's There's one thing that really stands out from from your social media in particular, Dylan, and I've spoke to you about it quite a bit, and it's a thing that I'm against personally, but would never tell anyone to be against it at all, but you speak a lot about religion and different cultures, and by God, it interests me. I've just said I'm against it, and I say, by God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, you, you, in, in particular, the, the most recent one is speaking about Islam. What, what's your, your impact? What, how's religion impacted you? Because you're not overly religious yourself, are you? I'm not religious. I'm not a believer in any religion. But yeah, I grew up in Ireland. So same as you guys were, yeah, we're so, somewhat religious and it's involved in, in school and stuff. But yeah, I haven't believed in God now since I was probably like 18 or something. But I've always found it as a fascinating idea. Like it's just called ridiculous or bizarre or whatever. But there, there's... In different countries, people have different beliefs of what God is, and that influences heavily each individual's life, their mindset, impacts society. And it really started to, um, in terms of how fascinated and interested I was in the subject, it really kicked off when I went to Egypt. When Egypt's a, it's a Muslim country, and it's a ser- they're serious about their religion. Like most people that you speak to, they are they're very religious. Like they really care a lot about their their religion, and it has a massive impact on their lives and then that just really starts to spiral it's like a rabbit hole the more you go into that it really gets like fascinating and as i said i lived with the egyptian family who are like most egyptians quite a religious religious family that it really just starts to um if, if i talk about like topics that interest me religion's always going to be be number one and then when you go to these different countries that have different religions it's a massive part of any culture. Religion's a massive part of any culture, particularly in Muslim countries. So like if you go to Ireland or you go to Scotland or most Christian countries, you can't really feel it that we've kind of lost it. Okay, there are many people who somewhat believe and a lot of some people really, really believe, but it doesn't have the same hold on individuals' lives or on society the way it does in Muslim countries. Like they're really, in my in my opinion, the last religious countries left on the planet. So when you rock up there and you're looking around and you you see like and you you feel like these guys all 
are very religious and they all follow the same religious books. And then you start to look into these books. What do these books teach? Speak to the people. What are their beliefs and, and all this? That's like, it's great for me. Are you religious, Sylvia? No, no, no. <laughs> You're not either? No, no. Okay. The, <laughs> the other thing that I really wanted to ask, and again, I have asked you about it, um, you probably get sick of messages from me, Dylan, actually. I ask you a lot of stuff. <laughs> it's, it's really interesting. It's obviously a big football fan. Um, one of arguably the last two or three decades' biggest humanitarian issues, you could argue, was having the World Cup in Qatar. A lot of people disagreed with that hugely. And, yeah, you were there. How did you think that went? Do you agree with those statements, I guess? I mean, which one specifically do you think people were worried about, like, the views on homosexuality, I heard, was a... There was a big part of that. I think, I think it was the work and... Workers' yeah. right, workers' treatment. But yeah. we, we absolutely can't single out Qatar on that one, though, because Brazil no. was just as bad. Yeah. Um, I that, think that, that, just Qatar's the first one that I heard of. Yeah. It was like... Um, like that dangerous to be working in. And I think there was 2.8 thousand people died in Brazil getting ready for the World Cup and Olympics because that was the same year. But yeah, yeah. The homosexuality was really the main one. Yeah. Um, one photo from Brazil that like I just remember is just like the photo of like the big fancy stadium in the background and just people in the slums. Yeah. yeah. That's right. I think um, each of each of those ones I tried to like break it down. I would try to break it down individually, not just look at it as a whole, like the homosexuality one. I don't have any problem with that. Like I, I personally, um, like pro-homosexuality, whatever you want to call that, like I think people should do whatever they, they want to do. But I also got to um, acknowledge that these people in Arab countries and Muslim countries, they have different beliefs than we have. I'm not going to go there and tell them that they should accept gay people. And of course, it sucks a lot for the gay people who are there. Like, they will have quite a tough life. But again, it comes back to religion. Like their religion is quite clear that carrying out homosexual acts is wrong. It's a sin. So if they then want to follow and make their country related to their, sorry, make their country's laws related to their religion, which they do, they're going to ban homosexual homosexual acts. And so be it. I'm not going to go there with my own Western ideas and tell them like, no, you're, you're wrong. It's okay for gay people to have sex with each other. And that's what I believe. So you have to believe it. I'm not going to stick my my toes in there, you know. And when you're traveling as much as I do to many different countries, I'm not going to be going around with my with my like Western values, with telling them always like you believe what I believe because we're right and you're wrong. Can't, can't do that. Like, and it's going to be exhausting and whatever. And of course, I will often stick up for what I think is right, but I'm I'm not going. That would just ruin my whole traveling experience if I'm going to hold everybody up to my own Western values. Not not going to happen. And then when it comes to the workers rights situation so I've, I've spoken to many people about this i remember once i spoke to a guy in india it was actually in a casino in india and his job was to get the workers from india to qatar to work in the construction mainly building the the stadiums and obviously first question i'm going to ask him is about what about the workers rights and his idea of it was that first of all which which i would believe somewhat is that people have free choice to go there you know most of these Indian people when they're given the choice to go to Qatar it's a great opportunity they want to do it they can go there make a hell of a lot of money bring it back to India and basically change their family's life for the better 
Also, second point that he mentioned was that the conditions in Qatar are still better than they are in India. Well, you say the lads in India, like they're up on the building shit, up on the scaffolding with nothing. They're just sitting on like some mad metal thing swinging around. And that's like in Qatar, conditions are so much better. So you can imagine the normal everyday Indian guy working that kind of job where like safety isn't, he doesn't even know what safety is when it comes to like working he doesn't even know that's a concept then he goes to Qatar and there they have like a health and safety guy and they have all these rules and he's thinking well this is like great health and safety this these guys this is a step up for me and then he's looking at the news and he's saying like there's all problems about the health and safety in Qatar and he's kind of confused he's thinking this is great for me but of course Qatar is in a better financial situation than India they should have better standards and yeah maybe like they could have done a better job they should have done a better job but I I've also heard an argument that the that the media has blown out of proportion how bad the debts are, for example. That if I heard one, I think it might have even been that guy I spoke to in the casino that told me that like per person, that the the accident rate is just as high as it is, for example, in a country like the UK. I doubt that. I think that there were like the treatment was worse and the debt rate was. Was, was higher, but then still for me, like even if it is the case that they treated the workers worse than they, they should have, I'm not going to boycott a World Cup. I think you as a football fan, Wallace, I presume you watched the World Cup even though you... Yeah, I, I openly spoke about thinking about boycotting it and I actively made the decision not to and that's why I I, I can't really comment on what I yeah. I personally don't know a single football fan that actually boycotted it. It's easy for like these... Um, you see many, I saw many girls saying, how could you watch the World Cup? Let's boycott it. And I'm not going to watch this year's World Cup because of the treatment. Try, like the chances of an actual football, these people aren't watching football and are saying that these aren't football fans for the most part. Okay, there were some hardcore football fans who genuinely love watching the World Cup that it's like the highlight of the year that boycotted it. But I haven't come across one actual football fan that said they're not going to watch the World Cup because of the, the situation. I don't know if that makes us bad people, but at the end of the day, like, I'm not going to be living the life where I'm going to do absolutely everything to be like the ultimate good guy in everything. In that case, I think I could possibly be like vegan and I could donate all my money to charity and whatever. At some point, you got to be somewhat selfish. And that's just, I'd be openly admitting to that as a human that like, I'm not going to sacrifice my World Cup experience for the little, little difference it would make just to like, because of the situation. Yeah, I think unfortunately, I think cash is king at the end of the day. That's gonna, that's gonna where it's all been driven from. Like that's why the World Cup was there to start with, and like that's how the world turns around at the end of the day, really, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I think I could say that. Uh, I think it's quite most people will admit that the World Cup was the bid was somewhat like corrupt that they shouldn't have have won that. Every World Cup bid is corrupt. Sure. Yeah, there's definitely FIFA that. is corrupt. Yeah, FIFA's corrupt. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I think maybe they shouldn't have got it. But when they got it, when I was there on the ground level, they nailed everything. Like, they really done a good job in many ways that I heard a lot of problems on the media about how it was there. But once I got there, it wasn't as bad. Like, for example, maybe you guys saw a lot of articles talking about the price of accommodation and how it's so ridiculous. Me and my Finnish friend who I was at the World Cup for, we got a place that was a bit outside the city. I think it was half an hour bus ride. And then 
it was like massive complex of apartments, thousands and thousands of apartments. It must have been. And I think we paid, it was either 80 euro each per night or 80 euro per person per night. That's Brand new, very clean apartment. And yeah, that's great value. Of course, if you want to go to one of the fancy hotels, the prices were, were, were very high. But if you want to go to the World Cup, you're going to be happy with that. And also in regards to the public transport, I said it's a half an hour bus. There were buses everywhere and organized so well that like you come out of the stadium and you can always get a bus from the stadium to the place that, you, that you're going to for free. You can't get that here no. for 40 quid. <laughs> no, no. no. Like, that's not no, like you, you just you just go up to like Edinburgh to watch like Scotland play rugby and you're standing for like an hour waiting on a trial. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. And also the people were like very hospitable to us. Maybe you guys heard about the alcohol situation that a lot of people said it was a no alcohol World Cup. That wasn't true at all. I mean, it obviously wasn't amount of alcohol that we would expect in a at a world cup or a football event but you could get if you go to any hotel they have bars there and you can drink away i found a group of irish lads drinking all night no bother there's fan zones where you can buy alcohol and okay it was a bit expensive i remember once i paid 12 euro for a can of guinness (laughs) that's very very rough and in general the pints were about i think 10 euro was the cheapest that we found for a pint but hey like when, it's, when we were going there, hearing all this news about a non-alcohol, no alcohol World Cup, we get there, alcohol's quite accessible and a little bit expensive. And we're like, this is great, we'll take this. Yeah, it's hardly bad, it's hardly yeah. bad. I mean, it's, it's maybe not a bad thing that it, like, it wasn't just free reign on the alcohol. Like, you see some, like, football stadiums, like, well, you can't drink in football stadiums over here. Like, so what's really the difference? Like, it seems yeah. like... From from your perspective, it seems like they've just had a pretty bad like press put onto them for I mean, yeah, because there's obviously many people will say it's almost like a conspiracy against these Arab countries or against the Muslim world that a lot of the the media always portrays it in a bad way. And this is another example. I wouldn't be full on on the side of saying that like the, the media is full on against the Arab world. But this kind of thing is showing a bit of the the bias where, in my experience, all the media articles that I read definitely made the World Cup sound like it was worse than it was and definitely focused a lot more on the negatives than the positives. And again, it comes down to religion with the alcohol thing. Like these guys think it's a sin to drink alcohol from their, according to their religion. So at least they let us do it somewhat. And also, as you mentioned, there are so much less problems when alcohol is is restricted like i'm sure you guys have seen a lot of the problems in the in the uk even though you can't drink at the stadium in in life in general alcohol causes so many problems that when you take that out of an event like the world cup it becomes so much more family friendly and there's just different vibe i'm not sure if it's a better vibe i personally like the the feeling of like the 40 english guys fucking drunk shouting and singing and like as long as we're not causing too much trouble that's great like seeing the english guy up on the table singing his songs and and shouting that wasn't as great in the world cup that was pretty much non-existent that idea which for me takes away from it but on the other hand it's a lot more of a, a family um orientated vibe and better for the the muslims yeah it's it's an the football one's an interesting one because i mean I wouldn't class myself as a massive football fan. I know a lot about the sort of statistic side of football, but I like I don't think I missed a minute of this World Cup and I haven't missed a minute of a Euros or a World Cup since about 2012. Um, but I'll barely watch a league game, ever. 
Uh, so yeah, I, I, and it was the reason I'm saying this is on the pitch. It's one of the best World Cups I've watched, hands down the best final I've seen. Uh, you know, like absolutely mental. But um, do you know what I'm sitting thinking about this this episode? We're sitting at an hour and a half. It's the type of episode you could be here for about seven hours. You've probably done <laughs> three episodes just for yeah. these two. Um, but in the in an effort to not be releasing, you know, a, <laughs> a two day yeah. long episode, um, we'll uh, we'll probably sort of look at drawing it to a close. But it's it really is the type of episode you could do again because we've spoke about what six or seven countries. How, how many is is there any countries you've been to Celtia that Dylan hasn't? Laos. Yeah. Laos, I right. think. That's interesting, Jack, that we just filmed with footballers saying he, he played in Laos. Uh, ah. uh, yeah, no, it's here. It's interesting. It's, it's, it's really interesting, especially to like yourself and I, because it's it's uh, just a completely different yeah. like um idea on like life, like it is, yeah. Is is there a goal in mind number wise? Like you're sitting at fifty nine, Dylan, um, and and yourself, Celtic at twenty nine. Is there a goal of I want to go to a hundred countries? I mean, that what well, I don't know exactly how many registered countries there is. It kind of changes here and there. But I think it's one hundred ninety six, as far as I'm aware. Um, UN say one hundred ninety six or something like that. Depends on what you find as a country, but sometimes yeah. you heard two hundred and ten as the maximum, and one hundred ninety six as like the lower end. So uh, yeah, exactly. So like so around the two hundred mark anyway, but probably like you said with North Korea, some of them they're not strictly unex and they're not inaccessible, but they're not fully appealing to you. Is there a number you have in mind, or is it just let's just keep going until we're not wanting to do this anymore? We're not that first. Um, I mean, for me, it's not at all about the numbers, like, at all, like, I just, I just want to travel as much as possible and just go to places that I feel like going and just keep doing it, like, the whole life kind of thing. And, yeah, it is never about the numbers, it's just, like, places that I feel like they're appealing for some reason or whatever. Number one is a strange one because you'll kind of get people on both sides of the fence. There's people who kind of have Celtia's idea and then there's people who are kind of like gathering the countries. They almost see it as a competition whether to get to 50 as fast as they can or to get to 100 or to complete them all. And for me, it's, it's, a, it's a common question when people find out that I travel a bit. They ask me how many countries I've been to like you guys did. And I get it that it does stand for something. But in my mind, it doesn't stand for a lot for the simple reason that yeah, I think I've been to about 59. As I said, some of those countries have been literally one day. I've arrived, I've, some of them, probably like four or five on that list that I've arrived, I have between a four and eight hour layover. So I go out of the airport, I have enough time to go to the city, get some food and head back to the airport and fly out again get some kind of a feel for the city. So it would be kind of weird to say you haven't haven't been to that country. But then there's countries, many countries on that list that I've been to for two, two months plus, let's say. Some of them I've spent years in, that some of them have been absolutely life-changing experiences that have actually left a mark on my character that I 
I really feel so much about my experience there and it's totally life-changing. So then if somebody says they've been to 59 countries, it's so hard to say if how many of those countries are the ones that they've really dived into the culture, they've started to really um, experience the country for what it truly is and how many of those countries are quick one-day trips. So you can see, for example, somebody like Drew Binsky, he gets a lot of hate because a lot of the countries he's been to, he's pretty much stepped foot over the border and then back out again. Just to kick it off, done. And I personally, I have no problem with people who want to do that, who kind of want to say they've been to every country, I want to gather up these numbers, but I'm definitely on the other end of, of things that I want to, as Celtic said, just go where I want to go when I want to go there and not worry about like gathering up the countries. And a lot of the countries I've been to, I've been to many times. And I, many of the people who I've been to, 100 plus, haven't been to countries many times because they're thinking, why would I go back to the same country I've already been there? I've already kicked that one off. I've already got the stamp. So, yeah. I read that. You're sort of buying into culture. You're, you're really buying yeah. into You're experiencing the culture more than just kind of saying you've been to a place. Yeah. Yeah. You could actually tell us something about most of the countries you've been to rather than just yeah. that type of person you're saying about. Like, if you asked, oh, what's that country like? They're like, I don't know. So what's the point in you being able to say that? Exactly. Yeah. And also the idea of a country is somewhat arbitrary that there's, for example, there's so many islands in the Pacific that are actual countries and then there's so many islands which are not. And what finds a country, obviously it's somewhat political, but there can be one country that, in my opinion, is more deserving of its idea of a country. Maybe it has its own culture and its own way of life, whereas the one that's actually a country is so similar to the country beside it. So like when you're talking about these, the idea of a country, it's always going to be arbitrary in, in some way, especially when you're talking about these really small islands, which there's so many all around the world, which are technically countries. That's a really good point, actually. Yeah. I like that. No, here, I appreciate both your times, guys. It's been really fun having you on. It's been fun. Fun hearing about, you know, travel stories from two people from totally different backgrounds and how it's brought you guys together, which is which is nice as well. Um, there is two questions we're asking. Uh, do you, what one do you want to do? Uh, let's swap about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah you um, so the first question is kind of what you answered at the start. Um, so if we could get one question from you guys to take on to the next guest, obviously not knowing anything about them. Feel free um, to feel free to give us one each if you want. Yeah. Do you have any in mind? I did try to think of one when you mentioned at the beginning, but not came to mind. Do you have any? No. <laughs> <I'm thinking>. <laughs> it's <laughs> really hard. Like, it's really hard. Yeah. I guess it would be nice to think of something um, travel-related personally. I think the... I mean, it's quite a basic one, but it's the question that I ask to most people when I meet them in in foreign countries is um, if you could travel to any country in the world, which country would you would you travel to? If you're speaking to somebody from Scotland, let's say the answer might not be so like interesting, but it's one that I like to ask because you can imagine if you ask some random fella in Egypt or in, in Iran or in Cambodia or here in Mexico, you get some interesting interesting answers when and often people from people from a certain country they all have a common answer which can be which can be interesting but I, i'm interested to hear yours mine is not a common answer mine is tuvalu okay it's one such, of those weird... such an interesting island it's like i was gonna say it's one of those weird islands that we just discussed yeah 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 100 yeah i mean yeah. it's got like 
an airport and then like a football pitch is basically on there. Yeah. Yeah. And they have a they have a national team and they also have a league system, but the national team play in the leagues. But like 90% of the male population is the te- is the league. <laughs> yeah. Not 90%, but like yeah, 50% of them, is of it, yeah. uh, uh, Fiji, I think. Oh, that's a show. Yeah. You're such a rugby nerd, man. It's sorry. No, but I'd love to go. That would be in that area. Fiji would surely be near top of the list. Yeah, I'm guessing you guys have done it if it is on this list. But what's your answer to that? Well, for for me, it would have been Iran for a long time. That was like a, a good pick to get that one off. That was really high on the list. And India, even though I had been to India many years ago, I'd only been for five days. So then that would have been there. We ticked that off there last year. But now for me, number one would be Afghanistan. Actually. I think Afghanistan, I'm, I still haven't looked into it enough to figure out, like, is it actually safe for me to go there? Because, you know, the Taliban have just taken over again. But it seems like there are people doing it, at least. So I think Afghanistan would be number one. And hopefully I can even do that this year. I'm thinking maybe a one-month trip in Afghanistan near the end of the year would be a, a dream. So, yeah. Those, those Yes Theory guys done it, that YouTube channel. They did a Okay, there you go. Yeah. And they, they spoke about, like, I mean, he, he's he's much like yourself. He said yes to everything. He's done North Korea. He's done that sort of thing. He's done like, um, what's that one? Uh, Sheriff Tiraspol, the football team come from. Is it Trinisteria? Tri- it's not a recognised country. Um, oh, God. Where in the world? I think Moldova. Oh, it's part of Moldova. Because I think it's just outside Chisinau. Ah, that's bad. I'll, I'll say off camera. Um, you guys are frozen. I know you're still there, but he's a frozen in a really funny picture for us. Uh, <laughs> Just for a the, second, are we back? Yeah, 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 you're back, you're back, you're back. Sorry, um, it's it's. I think it's Moldova. It's very near Chisinau. I can't remember. I'll tell you he's off camera. I think it's it's like Trinisteria or Tri... Anyway, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you he's off camera, but... Um, it's a really interesting one, and they said like it was dangerous. It's still sort of unlike under like a, um, oh, who was the guy that was in, in Soviet Russia? It begins with L. Lenin. Like it's still sort of based on a lot of Lenin policies and all that sort of thing. In but, Russia. Yeah, yeah, but it's Kenya. not in Russia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was that Chechnya? Is the name of the place? Is no, Chech- uh, Chechnya. No, no, that's not that. It's um, it's a. Uh, I will see off camera. I can't remember. I'm pretty sure it's Trinisteria. It's called, but he sort of speaks about the difficulties of getting into some of these countries, and and he spoke about that with Afghanistan. So it was really interesting. So it might be one to it might be one to watch. But what about yourself, Sophia? One one to tick off the list. Um, I said it is somewhere. So I was going to sound horrible, but definitely I want to explore some place in Africa that is top of the list. I I don't have a country in mind. I have many, but I have not like look enough into any specifically. But in general, like I feel that it is the the last area, kind of like the most different vibe that I haven't explored yet. So that will be like definitely top of the list. And in yeah like whatever, whatever right now in Africa sounds like absolutely appealing. So it will be, yes. 
there. <laughs> Sub-Saharan Africa is really special. I've only been to Tanzania, Malawi, but I think uh, also West Africa. I haven't been to that would be very high on my list that it's uh, yeah, Africa special. For sure. that, that, that sort of like Burkina Faso, Mali area interests me yeah. hugely because it must just be so arid and such a lack in ability for trade. Uh, yeah, and the place is Tranisteria, and it's between Moldova and Ukraine, but it is part of Moldova, yeah. but they believe otherwise. I've probably butchered the name, but um, yeah. Transnestria, Tranisteria, I'll, I'll, yeah, anyway. Yeah. The other question is, and this is a really interesting one for you guys, because it's probably, you know, having travelled half the world, but if you can get this question bang on right, I'll give you both £100. Uh, where do you see yourself in five years? <laughs> I was getting excited there. I think I'm probably ready to answer that question. Players, <laughs> you're gonna have to listen to this podcast in like four years, yeah. eleven months, and think I need to go back there now. <laughs> yeah, I think it's not. I'm now 27, so five years I'll be 32. I think then it could be the case that I'm approaching the time where I want to kind of settle down somewhat at least it could be a good time to start having kids and maybe live a more like settled life but now that idea definitely doesn't appeal to me so I wouldn't be too surprised if for the next five years I keep living this this lifestyle I mean the world is so big and there's so many different places that I'd I'd want to see and if I'm going to be kind of uh, me and Selby are both going to be living the more like slow travel lifestyle like spending six months in a country then I mean you, five years isn't a long time if you want to see so many places in the world like even after five years I imagine there's so many places which I feel like I really want to see that I feel like I'm not finished so I think in five years time I could still well be in the very same position hopefully making a bit more money have a bit more money in the in the bank and yeah just that's pretty much for me um, okay. <laughs> I hope I'm done with my thesis. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be awesome. Uh, no, I have literally no idea what I want to do after my thesis. Uh, so that is really triggering question. <laughs> um, that's, that's fine, though. I mean, not knowing is also an answer. Like, don't feel there has yeah. to be I'll be doing this. Uh, I mean, I definitely want to be working and keep traveling, but maybe working like that the work is making me travel more vibe. Uh, so be working with people around the world. That will be like the dream kind of. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. I mean, we could have probably asked you where you see yourself in five hours and you wouldn't really know. So it's <laughs> <laughs> Another no, question for you. Of course, yeah. Of course, yeah. Sally hasn't thought of a question. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Something more crazy. Uh, okay, talk for one second. Just trying to think of, think of one. <laughs> so, where, where do you think's next for you, Dylan? Um. So, I've, I'm actually so. Thankfully, my work is paying for all the workers to fly to Greece for a, a party, like a weekend party there at the end of May. So they're paying for the flights from Mexico into Greece and then back out oh. all-inclusive, ultra-all-inclusive resort for the weekend, whatever the fuck that means. I don't know, but 
Yeah, so I'll do a little trip in Europe for that. I'll spend two weeks. I'll go to mainly there, but also a bit in the Netherlands and in Spain and, and Italy. Then heading back to Europe in September, I'll go to Cuba. We'll go to Cuba. We'll spend one month in Cuba, which I'm fucking excited for. Cause, of course. Cause, yeah, Cuba's probably the one, the number one country in this part of the world that I want to visit. Jamaica is close to it and so is Brazil, but Cuba definitely. Phenomenal sure. history of Cuba. Like, you know, last yeah. 50 years. Yeah, really interesting. So much shit going on there. Just like the kind of how it's almost stuck in the past with the cars and the architecture and then the political situation is super fascinating. So we'll spend one month there in Havana, please God. And then we will, I will go to Europe. I will go on a trip with my dad, but it's a surprise where I'm where I'm taking him. So I won't. Thanks, <laughs> oh, just in case it gets back to him. Yeah. And then... I'll do that. I'll do one month solo backpacking at the end at some some point this year. Don't know where the most likely will be Afghanistan mixed with Pakistan or Ethiopia, maybe mixed with Somalia or maybe Nigeria and some other country. And that's it. But I want to do like a real mad one. So that'll be. I mean, like you mentioned Afghanistan, which obviously jumps out. It's a lot of focus dangerous, but yeah. Somalia is arguably worse. Depending arguably. On, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Have you got one, Celtia? Yeah, so, so the question is, like, if right, like, if tomorrow, like, a country, like, you create a country, right, and it is your country, uh, what will be the first three roles, rules for your country? Oh, yeah, that is amazing. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> on. Do you want to answer it if it was if you were asked that? Or? Uh, I know what my first three rules would be. Okay, go for it. All must have a mustache, bleach their hair, and drink a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> That's a deep one. I've got no idea. I need some time to think. Yeah, that's a yeah, it's a bigger. Yeah, good luck to the next person who gets asked this as well. Yeah, I think we leave that for the next person. Here, yeah. it's, been, it's been great fun having you on. Really appreciate both your time. Um, what time is it with you at the minute? It's just gone. It's almost one p.m. now. We've got right, a full yeah. Sunday ahead of us. Yeah, it's yeah, it's so bad. No, good stuff. It's been a pleasure. Fair enjoyed it. Hope yeah. we did today. Yeah. yeah. It's been good, boys. It's been nice to chat. Had some good chats there. So I'm happy we done it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, thank you for coming yeah. on. And thank you very much, guys. Keep in touch. Yeah. Good. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Thanks. Cheers, boys. Bye. Good luck. Bye. Bye.